Hello and welcome to the Oncast Grand Rewatch. My name is Dom and as one half of the Oncast I'm joined by Tom. Say hello Tom. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. And we understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to provide a weekly retrospective on some of the biggest franchises in film history, giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series, including plot summaries, analysis, and behind-the-scenes trivia. This week, we start our epic rewatch of the Rocky series... Yes! ...with the classic... 1976... Yeah. Rocky. Fuck yes. Do you like Rocky, Tom? I fucking love Rocky. It's so good. I've been so fucking excited to get to this one for ages. Especially after the crippling disappointment of Shane, Shane Black's the Predator. Yeah, that, that sort of petered out in there, unfortunately. But yeah, now we're on to some good stuff. Or some, well, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag, the um, the series as a whole. But we start off very, very strong with yeah. Rocky. Um, I would yeah. say there's, I wouldn't call it so much a mixed bag. I'd say, <laughs> by and large, they're all great films. But there's one, maybe two, that are a little bit hiccupy. Okay, alright, okay. Well, well, we'll get to them. I think they might be the ones that I haven't seen. Like, I've Absolutely. never seen five. I know infamously five is a bad one. <laughs> but yeah, that, and that's probably Listen, why I haven't seen it. By the it. time you get to the fifth, you're committed to it. True. So you're going to be at that stage where you're like, hey, I know all these people and the robot. That's right. And what? A robot? There's a robot. Oh, for fuck. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so I mean, but this is where it all began. So it's good to always go back to the very beginning on these. And for the for those who don't know, the reason... the purpose of the podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> but it's good. Before you get like too deep into all the you know, sequels and you know franchises, when you start just the pure... The first one is always a pure... We're making a film to be a film. We're not looking for it to be a franchise. Yeah. This is what it is. And this is a great example of that. I mean, especially with this one. This one was was only ever written as a standalone film yeah, because of, by because so of the original script and screenplay that he wrote, mm. which we'll get into later. In fact, before we get into that, do you want to give us your rundown? Yeah, I'll give him a rundown. I mean, yeah, the thing with Rocky is quite a simple story, but it is still a two-hour film, so I'm going to mm. do my best to try and summarise it. And like for those who've never seen Rocky, first of all, watch Rocky. Shame on you. You should not be listening to us. If you're going to do anything, watch Rocky. The reason, by the way, we're doing this rundown, this rewatch, is because Creed 2 is coming out in a few in what six, six weeks, weeks time six weeks, weeks. We, so we've got seven weeks isn't it because yeah, yeah six Rockies plus Creed yeah so we've got a, a full seven week go through until we get to Creed 2 which we're both very excited for they released a new trailer for it the other day and it looks awesome looks amazing um, but yeah this is where it started this is where we were first introduced to the character of Rocky Balboa uh, played by Sylvester Stallone and I'm going to give you a brief rundown of what happens in this first film after the motorbike. After that car's driven past. <laughs> so, the oil rig. <laughs> Where we live. Inexplicably. On an oil rig. Yeah. So the film starts with the iconic title crawl as Rocky appears in huge white letters on a black background scored by Bill Conti's classic theme. We then cut to a low-level boxing match taking place in Philadelphia November 25th, 1975. In a dingy club, two semi-pro boxers slug it out while a crowd jeers on. After his opponent takes a cheap shot headbutting him, Sylvester Stallone's Rocky unleashes the fury and wins the fight. 
In the locker room after the match, the boxers are paid their small fees. A beaten Rocky asks when he can fight again. We then follow Rocky as he walks home to his small apartment where he feeds his pet turtles, Cuff and Link. The next day, we follow the wannabe boxer around his daily routine. As he goes to the pet store and attempts to chat up Adrian, puts in a shift at his day job as a debt collector for a small-time crook, and eventually ends up at Mickey's gym. Rocky finds his locker at the gym cleared out in favour of a new fighter. Rocky, upset, confronts Mickey and the two have a fawning out. The old boxing trainer telling Rocky that while he's got heart, he fights like an ape. <laughs> to drown bum, you bum, you fight like an ape, you got heart, kid, but you fight like an ape. <laughs> anyway, I digress. To drown his sorrows, Rocky heads to a nearby bar and meets up with Paulie. The two discuss Paulie's sister, Adrian, the girl from the pet shop, while Paulie pesters Rocky to introduce him to his gangster boss. On the TV in the bar, we see the charismatic world heavyweight champion, Apollo Creed, who has arrived in Philly to take part in a historic bicentennial exhibition match. While the barman calls Apollo a clown, Rocky insists that he deserves respect. As he walks home, Rocky has a bizarre conversation with the young girl, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) We then cut to Apollo and his team as they find out the boxer's intended opponent has a broken hand and can't take part in the match. Ever the showman, Apollo comes up with a novelty for the match. The champion will pick an unknown local underdog boxer to fight. Meanwhile, Rocky goes to Paulie and Adrian's place for Thanksgiving. After some awkward convincing and some flat-out emotional abuse from Paulie, Adrian agrees to go out with Rocky. Following her brother's advice, Rocky takes Adrian to the ice rink. Although it's closed, Rocky convinces the janitor to let them have the place for 10 minutes as he awkwardly runs around the rink after Adrian, telling her all about himself. Rocky then takes Adrian back to his place, and after a very tense and uncomfortable scene, the two fall into each other's arms. He kisses her so hard, the picture turns into something else. (laughs) The next day, Mick is looking for Rocky. One of Apollo's people has been asking for him. Once again, the two end up in a shouting match as Mick lays into Rocky for not living up to his potential. Rocky goes to the fight promoter and is stunned to find that Apollo isn't looking for a sparkling partner. He wants to fight Rocky. After some convincing, the amateur agrees to fight the champ. After a televised press conference, Rocky goes into full training mode, but it isn't long before those around him try to get in on his newfound fame. Mick turns up at Rocky's place and asks to train him. Rocky tells him where to go, ranting at the trainer that never helped him when he was in his prime. Eventually, Rocky realises he needs Mick, and he chases after him. Paulie calls the TV to film Rocky's unusual training technique, beating up slabs of beef in a meat locker. As the footage is broadcast, one of Apollo's people suggests that the champ take a look. Instead, Creed is more interested in making sure his barber is then there for the match. Rocky's training then goes into full montage mode. One-armed push-ups. Speed bags, running, running upstairs, flying high now, feeling strong now. The night before the fight, Rocky can't sleep. He goes into the empty arena, intimidated by the scale of the upcoming fight. Back at home, he tells Adrian that he can't do it, and even if he does, all he wants to do is go the distance. The morning of the fight rolls round, and the two contenders are game ready. As Rocky enters the arena, he's greeted by Paulie and local fans shaking his hand. Creed, by contrast, enters on a giant float dressed as George Washington, throwing money around. (laughs) 
After all the showboating and grandstanding from Creed, the fight gets underway. While it initially seems as though Creed is toying with Rocky, jabbing him over and over, the Italian stallion quickly delivers a huge uppercut, knocking the champion to the floor. Now it's a real fight. Round after round, the two boxers hammer each other relentlessly as the upper hand continues to shift. Eventually, we reach the 15th and final round. Both boxers are barely able to stand, but insist the fight continue, despite protests from their management. As the final bell rings, the two fighters are left holding each other up. As Creed declares there will be no rematch, Rocky simply replies, he doesn't want one. A judge's split decision declares Creed the winner, but it doesn't really matter. Rocky has proved that he can go the distance and stand toe-to-toe with the world heavyweight champion. As the crowd storms the ring, Rocky shouts out to Adrian as she fights her way through the crowd, calling out to Rocky. Eventually, Adrian makes it to the ring and embraces Rocky, declaring her love for him. He does the same, and the music swells, and we are left with a freeze-frame image of the battered boxer, triumphant in his defeat. Yes! Yes! Fucking Rocky! Let's go run up some steps! Oh, I love it. I love it. No, it was great, man. It was great. I, I didn't... It was quite late that I watched it, actually. It was yeah. one of those ones that sort of passed me by, the whole series. Um, and then I went back and watched a load of them. And yeah, I loved it. And so it's just, and it's so fucking good. And like the thing that struck me about it watching, this, watching it this time, and I think I probably thought it the first time I watched it as well, is that although it's considered like the greatest sports movie of all time, there's barely any sport in it. There's yeah. two fights. There's two boxing fights. One at the very beginning and then the fight at the end and that's it. Yeah, but then that, like a lot of sporting films aren't explicitly about the sport event happening. Oh, no. It tends to it tends to be, it's drama. Tends to be the climax yeah, yeah. of the film and it's the drama that surrounds yeah, it. Yeah. Chariots of Fire is another example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like I say, it's, it's, as I said to you the other day, it's easily in my top ten. It's probably my favourite sporting film ever. Well, that's the thing, like, the first hour of it is just, like, him awkwardly talking to Adrian and, like, barely doing it. And then yeah, it, it's not until... How hard was it for you to look away? I don't know, yeah. I, something weird about it. I don't get Adrian, in, particularly in this one. She's just weird, and I don't know why she's so weird. It's, it's off-putting. And, like, I, honestly, I said it in my rundown. Yeah, the um, scene where he's, like, pressuring her is, like, really, really, like, uncomfortable to watch. Like, so I'm talking about basically after they've had the we're, we're skipping ahead massively here, but it's it's you know it's the scene that springs to mind. Is yeah the scene after they've been to the ice rink when they he takes her back to his apartment, and it's just really really uncomfortable, and it's just like because I don't know she has social anxiety right Adrian yeah so she's like super super shy. One of the things that I would say is also. Um, the uh, Talia Shear yeah um actually came out and said about that she's very shy in real life yeah which kind of worked with the character but one of the things that she said that added to her character in this is that when she started filming she actually had the flu oh yeah no I did hear that I did, there was the whole thing about her not wanting to kiss Sylvester Sloan because she was worried she'd give him a cold like yeah, yeah, but she, yeah quite... she had the flu and like she could barely she was like barely functioning yeah which is why like her performance is a bit all over the place and she just does come across as really weird. But if you notice, as the film progresses, her characterisation opens up massively. Oh, yeah. The biggest thing for me, I remember writing it down in my notes, was just like um, the bit where she makes a joke about the dog. Where, she go, where like, he just comes in and goes, 
Oh yeah, yeah, I got in the dog. What's he eat? Oh, he, eat, he eats little turtles. I just went. Adrian just cracked a joke. It was just, it was so out of character. It was just like holy shit. She's kind of okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, so th- I mean, like you say, the film starts with this first boxing match with Rocky. Yeah. Um, and like, is it an unlicensed box- boxing match or is it like? Well, no, it's just it's just an underground boxing match, really. Yeah, so but what, it's just... what what is on an underground? In what sense? Like, obviously, there's money just, involved. Yeah, it's just side betting. There's no sport to it. There's no sporting license to it. There's no real anything. It's people turning up to some sort of back alley place. Yeah, but watching then, people punch one another and putting bets on it. You say that, but then when Apollo is looking for an opponent, mm-hmm. he's thumbing through a book. Yeah. So at some point he must have been registered. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, you know he's I mean? registered at Mix. Mighty Mix. Is that what you have to do there? Like to, to be a boxer? You well, have you, to you have to have like you would you uh, you would have to have a boxing licence to compete yeah. in, like at a sporting level but looking at how grimy this thing is in some sort of abandoned church yeah that's what it looks and, like you know, yeah. and he pins the guy to the floor and starts pummeling his face in yeah it was funny you should say that about the abandoned church because the thing that struck me is, as well is that the opening shot is after a, is a big is Jesus, a Jesus is a big Jesus face yeah and I think I read somewhere there it's like it's some depiction of him picking out Paul of out of the disciple, picking out somebody out of the disciples and raising them up to be one of his like followers or whatever disciples. Well, yeah, disciples. <laughs> well, fuck he's, you. He's picking them out from the masses to choose. Yeah, as to one be of his a disciple. That was it. Yeah, it was the story of one of them, and the whole point of it is that it's an analogy for what Apollo does with Rocky, in theory. Okay, he just picks him out of obscurity okay. and brings him out, and it makes him this. Godlike, sure. they're putting, they're I mean, putting statues of him up. In somewhat behind on my Bible studies. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, one thing I would also point out is, following that scene when Rocky's walking down the street, what is he whistling? Whistling the tune, the theme tune. Whistling, whistling the theme tune to the He's film. Thinking, yeah, of course he is. They're like <laughs> th- that is one of many. There's a few scenes in this, and that th- that first one is really important in establishing that Rocky is like a neighborhood guy. Like yeah. he, everyone knows him, and it's like, yeah. oh, hey, Rocky, how you doing? And there's the, there's the whole thing throughout the whole following day after the fight is, oh, how'd you do last night? Oh yeah, I did great. You should have seen me. Yeah, he kept he says it so so many times. He, oh yeah, you should have seen me. You should have seen me. <laughs> but it's funny. It's like one of those things. Like he's a local legend, but no one goes to watch him fight. Yeah, do you know what well, I, mean? I think, and I think it's as much that he's sort of a boxing. It's not that he's a boxing legend, he's a, he's a local guy that everybody knows. Yeah. Because he's always walking around shaking people down for money. <laughs> yeah. That, because he's a loan shark. He's a, you well, can call him a debt collector but in your rundown, but he's a loan shark. Well, no, see, I don't know. In my mind, the loan shark is the is the guy he works for. Well, yeah, but... It's, he's the guy who's lending people money. He just sends Rocky round to get to collect the debt. Do you know what I mean? The loan yeah, shark, a loan shark is a guy who has a shitload of money, pays it to someone who he knows full well can't pay him back, and then has them in his pocket, and that's that's my idea of what a loan shark is. It's not the guy who does the beating. Well, it's a bit of both, yeah. To be honest, um, um, but he's the nicest fucking. He's a really nice loan shark. <laughs> yeah, he's like he told me I had to break your thumb. All right, but I don't want to break thumbs. your thumbs. <laughs> so why didn't you break his thumbs? I told you to break his thumbs, right? If you don't do what I tell you, it makes me look bad. It's bad for business. <laughs> I love it. And then that, like, that bit of dialogue is used with license. <laughs> I love it. It's like the bit where he um he's asking about the next target, and he goes, "Oh, how'd you spell that?" Pulls out his glasses, 
I just got Del Rio. Yeah, and you see, <laughs> it's one of my favourite things throughout the entirety of the Rocky franchise is when Rocky pulls out his little glasses and puts them on. Also, another thing to point out is at that point, after he's done the whistling, and he walks past all the guys hanging out in the street, the guy singing is his brother. Oh, is that who it is? Yeah. Oh, shit, okay, so, because I knew, I wrote down, did you know about the his dad's cameo? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So his dad's cameo is much, much later in the film, but I may as well say it now. He is the guy who rings the bell when the um, yeah. fight's about to start between Apollo. Is Sylvester Stallone's dad, which is great. It's so cool. Yeah, um, did, and they they make appearances in other films as well. Yeah, but in different roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, his wife was like the set photographer. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the it's, dog it's, is actually his dog. The dog is yeah, Buckus is actually his dog. Which is a great story about the dog as well, isn't it? Yeah. So basically, well, yeah, tell him. He um, so basically like. The story behind the Rocky movie is like sort of a big uh, analogy or sort of runs parallel with the story of the movie itself. It's a sort of rags to riches type thing where Sylvester Stallone had written this script. He based it on several different boxes and like things that he'd seen in the past. Like, well, 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 yeah. So, this is a whole thing, right? So, there there was a fight between, and I've forgotten his name, and that's really going to annoy me because I. Well, it was Rocky whatever, wasn't it? It was Rocky... No, well, Rocky Marciano is a, yeah, is Marciano, a famous yeah. boxer, but that's where Rocky in this gets his name from, because he fights like I Rocky Marciano. His fight. name is Robert. Right. Balbert. Um But in real life, as you've explained in the rundown, Rocky goes a full 15 rounds against Apollo Creed. Right. There was a fight that was... Uh, so there was a fight... Before, which was between Muhammad Ali, yeah, who was the world's greatest, yeah, and a guy called Chuck Webner, right, who okay. was a New Jersey boxer, okay, who was out came out of obscurity and managed to knock down Ali. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Which is like the which was like this whole world changing thing. Yeah, and then went really deep into the fight. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head if he went full fifteen. You went. You went the distance. Did not go the distance. I don't know. Or but basically, or was he a bum? Well, he, was, he was kind of a bum, but he became like a local hero in New Jersey yeah. because of it, uh, obviously strongly paralleling the film. Yeah. Now, Sylvester Stallone has said that it, it wasn't about that. Mm. But uh, in later times, Chuck actually sued Sylvester Stallone. Oh, really? A couple of times. Unsuccessfully? Both times they were settled out of court. Right, okay. So... It's interesting. Okay. They were settlements. So it is this thing that Sly has come out and said it's not based on that, but settlements have been made. So we're never really going to know. Mm. But if you look into the Chuck Webner, Muhammad Ali There are a fight, lot of parallels. There are a lot of very strong parallels. Like, I mean, Apollo is very much definitely based on Ali. Oh, in yeah. a lot of ways like is the way he talks the showmanship all that sort of stuff yeah um, but anyway and one thing I would say is you're not going to beat the showmanship of Ali no of course you're not that guy was Captain Charisma no, of course he was Man, I've just, what, I remember seeing some of the there was interviews not long ago for some reason they got rebroadcast some of the interviews with Michael Parkinson mm. and they're just they're as entertaining as any of his fights they're just just to watch them they're but just, yeah that's what he was about I mean, yeah. you know the, the guy developed well not really developed he sort of made this new way of fighting which yeah. was the rope-a-dope which yeah. is uh, you know as some people see it as cheap some people see it as genius 
it was what it was. It helped him win, and it was super effective. The guy was a great boxer, mm. um, and probably the greatest showman in boxing history. Um, but yeah, and I don't really, really go in with that because I get a bit gushy about Ali because he's mm. he's fucking rad. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to the film. Yeah. So the script. So yeah. So Rocky, um, Sylvester Stallone wrote the script. Um, having been inspired by you know various different things like the match that we were just talking about allegedly yeah allegedly allegedly um, but he wrote the script and it was floating around and there was you know options were being made for it people were asking to buy it off him they wanted to buy the script off him and he like and they wanted to the idea was they wanted to buy it off him and then get someone a big actor to come in and play the part of Rocky but he insisted that it had to be him yeah he wrote it for himself and he has to play the main part of Rocky otherwise he will not sell the script mm-hmm. and he dug his heels in and would not let even though he was so poor and that comes back to the dog and the thing was he was so poor prior to selling the script he had to sell his dog yeah for $50 just to make it and he was working as an usher and he had no money whatsoever and then they bought this script and they had to slash down the budget of the movie significantly because they couldn't afford us. They weren't going to pay a star. And they said, right, okay, you can make it. You can make it with this guy who wrote the script, but you can only have X amount of budget. Off million dollars. Million dollars. One million dollar. Budget. One million dollar budget, and you've got. To do, and they shot it in like twenty eight days. It was all just done like on massively on the cheap. And it was done like a lot of it was made in like real guerrilla style. Oh so yeah. There are parts in like the running scene when he's like when he in the montage when he's running through the docks yeah where they literally just opened the yeah. side door of a van he got out and started running and they filmed it yeah and it's then like, he got back in it's like there's the bit where the guy throws him an orange that was just like random there was just people they were t- he, was yeah, just yeah. Run- he was running through a market and beat someone a guy threw an orange at him yeah. so he, bit, he just <laughs> grabbed it I love it like there's parts where um you know they wait for trains to go past yeah. in the background so they could and then they would shout action yeah so people wouldn't realise that there would be filming. Yeah. So, they, and it's just all these amazing little things about this film. Yeah. Which are absolutely incredible. Yeah. And that is, and like I say, it is, it's a perfect parallel for the story of the film, in oh, yeah. the film itself. Yeah, without of doubt. Rocky being this sort of end of his rope, like, because he talks later about how, you know, where was, where was Mick 10 years ago? So it was yeah. past his prime and he's like, you know, I, I could have made it, but I didn't, and now, now this is it. And I'm just a lone shark, and you know. But then this happens, and you just have a million and one shot. And I think what's the, that's the tagline for the movie, isn't it? His entire life was a million and one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and the exact same parallel happened with Sylvester Stallone and the, everyone involved with the making of the movie, really. Um, but it's become this huge iconic thing. It's amazing. I love it. Um, well, yeah. I mean, even like the box office figures reflect that. You know, the film yeah. was made for a million dollars, made two hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Yeah, it was huge. In 1976, made $225 million. That's crazy, right? <laughs> I was, like, saying that, I'm amazed. So it was like 76, and then the Rocky Two came out in 79. Yeah. I'm amazed it took him that long. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it came out at the end of two, uh, end of 76. The oh, film right. is actually set in 1976 as well. Oh, yeah. And it goes it, over into Yeah, because it's the New Year's Day is when the boxing fight yeah. spends a boxing fight. Boxing fight. Yeah. <laughs> I watch a lot of boxing. Such an expert. Yeah, I, I can clearly watch a lot of boxing. You can tell, and yeah, and that's going to come out a lot as we cover these movies. Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. my expertise in terms of boxing. I mean, one of the things that I would say about this is that I don't claim to be an expert on boxing. I just really enjoy the sport. Yeah. So, um, but one of the things that is a little bit on the fringe for these films is 
is the boxing itself is that some of it especially I think it's three especially well I think it's three and four especially are literally just drawn out things of people being repeatedly punched in the head yeah just over and over and over again which is less realistic oh yeah especially when you when when we get to the, the climax of this we will later and I'll sort of talk more about the actual fight itself but yeah and it's it's, 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 I can't, I, I just get really gushy about this film. Yeah. And you're going to get that throughout it. Like, it's from the parallel of last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about The Predator to now. This is what we want this podcast to be. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and we're just, just so excited to talk about it and just super passionate about it. Yeah. It's amazing. Every time I, you know, start to feel down or need to feel a little bit driven, I put on a Rocky film. Yeah. Because. Even if it's Rocky Five, still kind of gets me pumped. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm hoping that you know my experience. So Creed really struck a note with me when I first when I saw it, um, and that was I did watch the previous Rocky films before that. But I'm hoping that Creed can start to be that the same thing for a new generation almost. And I Hopefully, feel like yeah. it's getting there already. That first movie was great, and the second one looks amazing. Um, but anyway, we're talking about Rocky at the moment. We're talking about the original Rocky. Um, and like I say, the first hour of the movie is very much just a character-driven drama. It was, yes, it and it's just about Rocky, it's about Adrian, and it's about Paulie. Yeah. And a little bit of Mick. Yeah. And that's it. And that's literally all it's about. And it's about, he's trying to chat up this girl, He got, he's talking to her brother. Her brother, I, I'm, I'm going to say it now, Paulie's a fucking arsehole. <laughs> He is. He's a dickhead, man. I don't get it. So, like, Paulie is supposed to be like. But he keeps like. I think somewhere in my notes, I've written that Paulie kicks off like at least three times. He yeah. just fucking loses his shit over nothing, and he's just a little. He's just a. Oh, he's, I don't like him. Don't yeah, know. but it's one of those things. Like Paulie is supposed to be like this sort of, uh, you know, this guy that. Is, is is trying to succeed but has always held this obligation to look after his sister and it's and it's become a resentment. Yeah. So it's this thing that he, he is his sister's keeper and that he's he's always done what he can. Yeah. And he's but it's actually led him to become so bitter but that about did, it. That just raises more questions for me about Adrian because it feels like if it is that she's just shy but she's clearly like intelligent and you know gets on and she can do yeah. why does she need someone looking after her the whole time why does she well, need yeah because she has, she's no confidence you know it, there's, there's a point in the film when uh, they're at the ice rink mm-hmm. you know and he, and Brock says you know my dad says you haven't got a lot in the brains yeah, sorry, so you're yeah. going to have to do it with your body and she, she said funny my mum said the opposite Yeah, she said you haven't got a lot in the way you look but you got it in the brain, so work on that. And then, but then she doesn't. She ends up working in a pet store. A pet store, yeah. You know, and it's this sort of real bad sort of anxiety and social anxiety and shyness that she's got. But also, you've got to think that this isn't what we see here is our first introduction to Paulie's rage. Mm. But this is probably not the first time that she's done it. Yeah, that, true. That, that she's seen it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but it does spring the impression that it's the first time that she stood up for herself. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And you did, like she has a she has a very strong arc in the movie, yeah. as well as Rocky. And a lot of that comes down to yeah that that one part later on when she loses it. But he's going on another one of these rants about how he lost you know 
he looks after her she owes him she owes him everything and she's like no I don't owe you shit and she like stands up for herself this meek little tiny yeah. quiet woman and she suddenly gets a backbone and that's great it's to this, see it's this impression that you get of both of these characters because it is you know fundamentally it's a sporting film but it's this drama that's led this, this character led drama mm-hmm. so when this 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 rage comes out of her that you see this mirrored in Paulie yeah but she's only done it because she's start, starting to come out of herself. She's starting to believe in herself a little bit more. She's yeah. starting to see, you know, that she's not just this spider, as Paulie refers to her. Oh, You've yeah. got to get out. You, 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 you're some sort of spider. Yeah. You know, and Paulie, you can see that Paulie tries to encourage her because he sets her, sets her up with Rocky, even though she's unaware of it because yeah. she's cooking a Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Your sister knows I'm coming, right? Your sister knows I'm coming. Your sister, she knows I'm coming, right? Yeah, she's very excited. Yeah, she's very excited. Yeah. So <laughs> what I love about the script as well. Sometimes it feels like he only wrote half a script and they just repeat it. <laughs> like, they just, I love it was made up on the spot. I, yeah, it, it shows. Yeah. Oh, behave. <laughs> it does, it does. I think a lot of this is quite natural, especially for a guy who is... You know, from the outset, made to be a not particularly intelligent character. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's not going to be like, you know, are you sure your sister knows I'm coming? Because I'm not really convinced by the way he's saying about it, Paulie. Yeah, I guess he's he's not a bright guy. He no. repeats a lot of things over and over again. Right, as just, he goes just, film. <laughs> as he, when he's going up to talk to the daughters, like, hey, Adrian, it's me, Rocky. And then, like, he goes, well, I feel like a jerk, man. And he goes back again. He goes, Hey Adrian, it's Rocky again. And that's a, let her know that it's still him. It's like, yeah, yeah. He, he, he does come across a bit dumb, doesn't he? And then he's got this whole thing about gaps. Sorry, I've got to interrupt you. So we've got the film on in the background. Rocky has just picked up a drunk off the street, brought him inside, and plopped him at a bar. Yeah, they, they never really. Do you know who the drunk is? Is that his dad or something? No, it's Lloyd Kaufman from Troma. Okay, this is another thing that we need to look at another I'm, time. I'm sorry, I don't but know. This, that, so that uh, so basically, Lloyd Kaufman is um, this sort of B movie director. Okay, and by B movie, I mean kind of like a C movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there were these films that like uh, like Death Race and stuff. These are all right. these sort of caliber of films. Um, and Lloyd Kaufman was like the guy of making these B booby films, and you know, and uh, but yeah, it's, this is his little cameo in that. Like makes another cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, um, but yeah, just an interesting tidbit as we go on. But yeah, like Rocky is is painted out to be this not particularly bright character. Like yeah. the way that he talks about it in films further on, uh, he talks about it as well about the different ways that he's been treated and he's not a bright guy. He's taken too many blows to the head and stuff yeah. like that, which is where he's not really gotten that far. Yeah, but it's another part of this underdog story. Yeah, and they and again, I think one of the biggest achievements of the script and of this movie is the contrast they draw between Apollo and Rocky. Because mm. Apollo by contrast is very articulate. He's got some great lines. Yeah. I don't know how much of that is from the script, how much of it is from Carl Weathers because I imagine Carl Weathers would have contributed quite a bit. I remember like one of the best things like the first time you see him is on TV and he's giving this whole spiel about stay in school kids, don't be an athlete because athletes they they stink. Be a thinker, not a stinker. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like all these great little lines and stuff that he has, and he's just like. And then when they have the press conference when he announces Rocky, he's running circles yeah. around him, making him, and like taking the piss out of him. And it's like, oh, well, and I, everybody does. Everybody sort of makes yeah. a joke out of him whilst he's on there in his, you know, his little woolly jumper. Yeah, um, and it's one of those things where he's, yeah, he's got this sort of character armor, so to speak, that Rocky does, and then. You know that that facade starts to slip, but you only see it with Adrian. Yeah, 
So, like, especially there's that scene when he first sort of confesses to her that it did hurt. Yeah, that's good. That, yeah, that's a great bit, that bit. And then there's... So, you know what I said? I didn't, it didn't bother me none. It did. And that's it. And then he just... Yeah, and that's powerful enough because yeah. it's a guy that, you know, he says a lot. Mm. He, and, you know, when when he does say something, he either says it a lot or he repeats it. Mm. So, like, yeah, I've... So the moments of quiet that Rocky has are so much more impactful. True, he does talk a lot. Yeah. And it's like you get the impression that it's like nervous talking and a lot of that comes out of the fact that a lot of the time he's with Adrian and Adrian doesn't say a word. Yeah. So, you know, the date when he's talking to her on the ice, he's just talking at a million miles an hour yeah. and trying to get all this stuff out, which is, we've all been there. We've all but done that. Like, also, at the same time, when he walks that girl home. Oh, Christ. Okay, you know, yeah, so... Sort of gives her uh, this see, sort of I talk, Now, see, that's the point. I made a point of that in my rundown. That's fucking weird, that scene, man. I don't know how I feel about it. Really? It's really bizarre. Well, it's just... So he, 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 he's telling this girl that because she's hanging around with a bunch of guys and she's using dirty words, she's going to become a whore. And she's like, what, 13, 12? I'm like, dude, what the yeah. fuck? And like, and he sort of hits... Eventually, he hits the nail on the head at the end of it. He goes, who the hell are you to be giving advice? And he's like, yeah, who the hell are you to be giving advice? Yeah. What a fucking thing to say to someone. Like, but it is... But it is, yeah, it is one of those things where he's, you know, whilst he's this, he's a loan shark. Yeah. And he's, you know, beats people up and he's a boxer. Yeah. There is this soft side to him where he does really want to protect people. Yeah. And he really wants to care for people. But he doesn't know how to put it. So he yeah. just keeps falling over his words. Yeah, and, I guess so. I think you know, I, and I he suppose... gets to that point where he does insult and he's saying about smoking and turning your teeth yellow. And then if you do this, you stink and you do this. And, you know, he's trying to. You know, because he, he doesn't have that much intellect himself above that of sort of a younger person. Yeah, he's, I suppose he's got that whole thing about I don't want you to turn out like me, doesn't he? Yeah, because that's something like when he when he gets out of the ring in that first match at the very beginning, the first thing he does is gonna have a smoke. Yeah, immediately. So he doesn't care about himself all that much, but he cares no. about the people around him. Exactly, and then you know, so he's he's done that thing where he's like this caring protector guy, and again. Like I don't mean to keep referring to other films, but this comes pretty much full circle. Okay. So when we get into later films, you'll see something happening about this bit that comes back. Okay. All right. Um, which are really, really clever moves, and it is that. But it's that moment where he's just constantly talking at her because yeah. he's just desperate because he's not an emotive guy and he doesn't get overwhelmed. He either talks a lot or he shouts or he punches. Yeah which is what I think is the most amazing part of like characterization for him. Mm. So he's got this sort of verbal diarrhea. Yeah. And then he gets to the point where he's like, you know what? I don't know. Who am I supposed to be giving advice? And, you know, and then she turns it around. She said, get lost creepo. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's this amazing moment because it is showing that right in, almost in the middle of this film mm. that he's taking time out from everything else to make sure that this kid gets home. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, Taking time out, like, but as I said, the first hour of it, like the main goal of his, isn't even about. Isn't he, like Apollo mm. isn't even on his radar. No, All, the the main drive for Rocky in the first half of this movie is he wants to go out with Adrian. Yeah, that's it. That's his thing. Yeah, he's yeah. not like the boxing thing is like a side thing. He's pissed off because he goes to the, he goes back to the um, gym and Mix giving his locker away. Yeah, and that and becomes the whole skid thing. Row. Put, you put me on Skid Row. I've had this locker six years. You put me on Skid Row. Eight, eight years was it? Fuck, eight years. And then, yeah, and then he's giving it to someone else. And then he has this really contentious. Every time he raises his voice and gets really angry, it always seems to be with Mick. 
Mick is the one who brings it out of him. Yeah. Because Mick's, they've got this father-son relationship where Mick's disappointed him. Yeah. Because he never lived up to his potential, did he? He was always like, you, you could have been so much better. And then Rocky on the other side of it is going, well, why didn't you help me then? Yeah. Why, and why? that's the thing. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's that line between both of them. It's breaking down that male pride of not asking for help. Mm. And not being supportive enough of having that father figure that's disappointed in you but wasn't willing to put in that support yeah. because it's probably support that he never had yeah. or that training that he never had or a slightly different drive that turns it away. Yeah. So when that the scene between Mick and Rocky is unreal. Which one are you talking about when he comes to him? When he goes to when he goes to Rocky's house and he turns up. Mate, you know, yeah. and he starts off really quietly and you think you know what, Mick? Fuck you. You're like yeah. you're just as bad as Paulie. Yeah. No, big time. I thought that. I was thinking, fuck you, Mick. Yeah. He's talking about it and that, yeah. He's like, oh hey, hey, how you doing, champ? I just wanted to see how you're doing. I'm like you, fucking. Like last time I saw you, you were shouting in my face, telling me how I'm just no, nothing but a leg breaker. It's a waste of life. That's what you said to me last time I saw you. Yeah. And quite but at the same right, time. quite rightly, Rocky gives him the cold shoulder. That Rocky's like, fuck you. But it's that is that thing where. It, it's, it is that line because it's uh, again part of the thing that I enjoy about it the most is the line that's there because it is it's not a definitive line it's not a he's specific he, oh yeah he's definitely right in giving him the cold shoulder because at the same time Rocky did waste all that potential you know Rocky did yeah. think about it from Mick's perspective Mick's gone round to be like like okay he's now got a shot mm. and I'm going to help him but I don't know how to offer him that. I don't know how to be that guy. Yeah. And you notice that the way that they do have that connection is by screaming at one another. Yeah. And it's this super sort of masculine situation that's like, they can only do it by yelling at one another and then one shouts and one shouts louder and gets more angry. Mm. And then Mick walks away yeah. and Rocky realises he does need help. Yeah. And that he he was in the wrong in the first place. Yeah. And that whilst... You know, whilst he should have said that stuff to Mick, mm. whilst Mick should have given him that opportunity, Rocky wasted his potential more. It's not up to somebody else to pull it out of him. Yeah, I guess so. But and it's that's, a case of... that's brought up in the fights as well because it is Mick giving him advice, Rocky having to reach inside himself and be able to go those fifteen rounds. Yeah, it wasn't Mick that was pushing him through; it was Rocky doing it himself. But he needed those people behind him. Yeah. Those people are as much in the ring spiritually as they are in the film themselves. Yeah, and he, and that's the thing. He knows that, and that's why he, like, even though he has... There's this incredible rant at the end of that scene that you're talking about. Yeah. Where after Mick leaves, and Rocky's just shouting back at him. And that a lot of it was improvised, apparently. Mm. He literally just it came up, what about, what about my prime? What about my life? Why weren't you here ten years ago? Everything's going. My legs are going. I'm here in this... You know what? You don't like my house? It stinks. It fucking, I hate it. It stinks. He's shouting into the night, and then there's this really great shot where he it's just filmed from the other side of the street, and Rocky comes out. Of the, you just see it's Burgess Meredith playing um, Mick, and he's walking down the street, and he almost gets out of frame, and then the door opens. Rocky comes out and runs after him, mm-hmm. and it's from miles away, right in the corner of the screen. You just see him shake hands. He doesn't shake hands. He puts his arm around him. He put, uh, yeah, but then they end up shaking hands, don't they? You see I, him. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. Normally, yeah. I'm pretty. I'm, I remember. I'm pretty, I remember seeing. Missed it up at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh god, oh god, yeah. those guys. But, finally done. But like that, that barrier. But even that, like the even like the filmmaking style in that is almost reflective of the characters themselves because it's like 
they're so like repressed in their emotions and like it's taken mm-hmm. so long for them to get here so much so that we as the audience can't even intrude on that yeah we have to be right way way way, way back over here yeah. we can't hear what they're saying to one another we can just see from a distance that he's made up with him and from that he's going to presumably more effective yeah oh yeah much my, more in my opinion much more but it's it's a really interesting sort of like I say, reflection of what's going on in their heads, and that that I get with with the director. I get that's one of the a great choice of yeah. shot and you know all the rest of it. Yeah, because it doesn't have the same sort of sweeping cinematography that we did that we do have nowadays. No, you know it doesn't have all these you know red or IMAX or extra amazing super cameras. No, you know they don't have that. But what they have then is just pure artistic eye. Yeah to sort of line up these shots in a way and to take it and, you know, like we said about the steady cam, you know, which is a massive part of this film. Oh, yeah. Um, but also, you know, all of these shots that are in there, like the, the final fight, again, we'll get to that later, but there are all these scenes in there, these establishing shots that are really dark, that are really grimy, that are really gritty. It's all natural light. Yeah. Which is, which is amazing, really. Yeah. Like, as much of it is a circumstance of... The fact that they had no money, mm. but the fact that it's it natural light adds to this ground level, mm. and you can see that in other films where that's lost. You know, other other. I don't want to say less deserving films, but other films that aren't at the same caliber. What you mean in this series? You're talking about not in this series, but in other like sporting films, yeah. like like Southpaw, for example, is a great boxing film. Yeah, but at the same time, it doesn't have the same sort of grit to it that Rocky does. Yeah. And I think that's one of the lasting things is that there are often very fixed shots with just slow pans mm. and that's about it. And there, I think, I don't know, I think there have been, people have found other ways to achieve the same result. Like I feel like if, if we're going way, way, way ahead in terms of this series, mm. you look at Creed. And so that first fight in Creed, the way they sort of get that grittiness and that realism is by having the entire first fight be one shot. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are different ways of doing it. But, yeah, this time it was, like say, it was the steady cam and the, and the shot selection and all the rest of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, fuck. I mean, what's the... what's the so many different iconic things to talk about in this one. I don't know. The beating up the meat is one of the things that springs to mind straight yeah. away. Like I mean, cracking ribs and beating up the meat in the meat grinder. Yeah, which um, is foreshadowing as well. Yeah, because he, he goes... <laughs> that's how he goes... He goes for the ribs when he fights Apollo. Um, and again, they use that as another little opportunity to sort of show the contrast where Apollo's guy is watching it on TV. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. is like Apollo... Just totally underestimates Rocky. Yeah. He it, he thinks he thinks it's a fight. He doesn't realize it's, it's just a show. Go and finish him. Yeah, I love and that. then he gets knocked down. Yeah, in the first round. Yeah, he's taking a piss. He's like, and this thing with Apollo, he's like, he's completely a showman. That first scene they have with him, where he comes up with this whole idea about, oh, let's find an underdog, and say, I'm an American. I'm a patriot. It's about our bicentennial and what what greater opportunities? Yeah, it's the land Philadelphia. of Philadelphia. Philadelphia. It's the land of opportunity. I'm going to give someone a shot at the title, and it's all—it's all about the story. It's all about what a, what a great PR yeah, thing yeah, it is. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about the fight itself. No, he, he just assumes he'll win. It'll be fine, and that's that's it. And then when when he find, when Rocky's out there punching slabs of meat and making the local news, 
he's just not interested. And yeah, like I say, he's in the background talking about sending flowers to the mayor's wife and making sure that his barber can get flown in from LA. Yeah, for the fight. <laughs> yeah, it's wicked. But also, like, uh, interesting little factoid. Um, so, following this film, like a lot of sort of things that Sly is in after this, he'll wear gloves. Like, especially nowadays, like he wears like fingerless gloves in a lot of his films. Yes, and that is because by punching the meat, he flattened out his knuckles. Is yeah, that really, correct? Yeah, really yeah. damaged. Yeah, yeah, damaged yeah. his knuckles. Uh, really quite badly and it's just been a permanent thing ever since so you look at his hands in modern films he'll wear a glove or he'll wear like just a, like a something to cover it up yeah. or a wrap or anything like that will cover it um, and it's because of this it's fucking nuts but yeah absolutely ruined it yeah but, it's, uh, well, it's like yeah because that comes out that first time he beats up the meat it's not something that he intends to do he's like does it out of frustration yeah with Paulie yeah because Paulie's being again Paulie's being a dick. Now, I know what you're saying about the whole frustration with Adrian and that. She's not even in the room then. He's still no, being a dick. But this is, but again, like, this is Paulie's frustration at being this guy, that, this schlubby guy that's in mm. his, what, 40s? Yeah. At least. Um, and he's, you know, he's stuck in this meatpacker warehouse. Yeah. You know, and he's saying about, and if you notice, he says a very similar thing to what Rocky does. He's like, I'm stuck here. You want to come in here? It stinks. It stinks in this place. Yeah, yeah. And he's drunk all the time. Yeah. And he's just so frustrated because he tries to be there to Rocky and he tries... If you look, everything that Rocky does, he aspires to that thing right away. Yeah. So he looks up to Rocky. So he knows he can't fight, but if he can be there, yeah. if he can help, yeah. and if he can do something, because he's not had those opportunities, because he's always had to be providing for Adrian or having a job or doing the house or doing this and working that he sort of turns it round so he's like one of the, the sort of almost like a victim of the circumstances there is mm. that he's never really done anything wrong he's tried to do everything but he's so frustrated that nothing ever good has really happened yeah I don't know he just he, I think for me the, the thing that like come, he comes across like a dickhead for sure he does and then but then they continually just forgive him without ever saying anything like yeah. Paulie's an arse then he turns up the next day and they just carry on like nothing yeah. ever happened and they, they, that happens like on a cycle like a couple of times in the in the movie um, and yeah like I say he's, they have this argument or sort of semi-argument where he's trying to figure out what's going on between Rocky and um, Adrian and then Rocky responds by beating the shit into this giant slab of meat yeah. Um, and yeah and that is obviously that's where Sly destroyed his knuckles um, but it became a very iconic thing, so much so that even within this movie, it became a thing where the, well, you, the you see when he um, like in that shot, he pulls away and he immediately starts holding onto his hands. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it is this thing from because they're not, you know, they're in a freezer. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not like it is just a normal like this massive hunk of beef that's yeah. just hung up. Which, soft. It's in a freezer. Yeah, but even if it was soft, it's still got bones and shit well, under yeah, it. I mean, it's not like hitting a bag, is it? Add to that the fact that it's frozen. To be fair, a heavy bag is is enough to break your wrist if you punch it wrong. Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah. but it's the fact that it's this frozen slab of meat that's reinforced with bone as well is yeah. what diff definitely fucked him up. Yeah, because a lot of these sort of a lot of, especially in the older times, sure, it's older times, but especially sort of way back when a lot of these their heavy bags were filled with sand yeah 
They weren't filled with like cladding as a lot of other places are, or like heavy foam or dense foam. Mm. They were filled with sand, which just doesn't have any give. No. Because it's supposed to train the tendons and muscles and ligaments in your wrist to be able to withstand that. Because if you hit somebody wrong, you'll snap your wrist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that they used to train, which is why their hands are tied and their, their knuckles are wrapped. Yeah. You know, because what you do is, is one of the issues, I think it was because it's knuckles were poorly wrapped yeah because you're supposed to pull it pull it up between the knuckles to keep them in place yeah because by punching you can knock it off yeah which yeah, is yeah. what he did um but yeah it's this amazing shot that's become so iconic yeah. throughout the franchise and and cinema history yeah that it's this sort of real throwaway thing that was yeah. almost done off the cuff it's like yeah there's there's a few like there's that the other one that um I think it's probably the first one chronologically that we see is when Rocky just drinks all the raw eggs. Mm. He's just literally there's just one long shot where he cracks. I think I counted. It was like five eggs, yeah, in, in a in a glass and just downs them. And that's become a thing now. It's just like drinking raw eggs, running in the middle of them in the morning, just like running up the stairs. Obviously, the running up the stairs is like massively iconic. Yeah. Um, I love the story about it. you know because the, they did it twice obviously they did it once towards the beginning of his training mm. and then at the end yeah to show at the beginning of it he could barely get up there at the end of it he was sprinting up there no problem but they filmed it like 10 minutes apart oh, it was a couple of hours was yeah, it a couple of hours yeah, yeah it's, the time of day changes yeah so in um, yeah I think it's well, they did that intentionally, though, because they wanted a different lighting, didn't they? Yeah. they? They wanted it to be... Because they wanted it to look like a different time of day. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But it, it was, was the... The, like, the running route that he takes, like, um, I think it's like the like Philly magazine or something like yeah. that, like, plotted the route. Yeah. And then another person plotted the route as well, and one person says, oh, it's like five and a half miles. And then, like this Philly magazine, were like, "Oh no, we calculated it." And if you if you follow it chronologically, how where he is yeah. and the directions that he's running is something like thirty miles. <laughs> and um, but yeah, it's amazing. Like, but it's you never think about it because like Philadelphia is this huge, huge city. Yeah, it's not like a small city. It's no. an absolutely massive, sprawling city. Um, but then, yeah, and you see all this training, it's like the docks at the train yard and the roads in the towns and this, yeah. in the, you know, like the neighborhoods and then up the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And so, and again, it's like he's man of the people. It's the thing they keep mm-hmm. sort of hammering home is that Rocky, man of the people. Yeah. Everyone's saying, hey, Rocky, how you doing as he's running along? And meanwhile, the other thing that I noticed, and I think this was a bit of trivia, is this is the only film in the whole franchise where at no point do you see the opponent training. Yeah. And like, Apollo is so dead certain that he's going to win. Yeah. We never even see him yeah. throw a punch until the until the bell starts. And that's the thing. You don't see him doing anything like, other than business stuff, other than PR work, yeah. schmoozing, and then he has to go and do a fight. Yeah, and <laughs> it's because you know he's the heavyweight champion of the world, and I think it serves it in the sequels because you know in in this in seventy six we've seen what Rocky can do when he trains yeah. against somebody that's been sat on his ass, And despite the fact that he's the heavyweight champion of the world, mm. you know, he goes the full 15 rounds yeah. against this underdog guy who was still smoking yeah. like a matter of weeks, yeah. you know, before. Yeah. And then is this schlubby guy that's done no training and then suddenly kicks it into high gear and can go the distance because he's got the heart to do it. Yeah. And then you bring in 
so two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. You know, you see all these training sequences and it brings in this extra sense. You're like, actually, you know what? Now he's he's really in for a fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's just like... You know, he's really in for it now because before it was just him and he got by on his wit and his, you know, sense of heart. But now, oh no, now yeah. his opponent's training just as hard. And the thing that, I, that struck me this time as well, and then we talked about it just earlier, Rocky talks about how Mick wasn't there for him when he was in his prime. Mm-hmm. As if this now, in Rocky 1, he's already past his prime. Well, he is, because if you, he's 30. Yeah. So what's your prime as a boxer then? 30 something. So it's in your 20s. In your 20s. Well, it used to be in your 20s. Like, people would go through, but you are in the prime of your physical condition when you're in your 20s. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, this is, and I, you know, I don't want to bring this down, but, you know, it's only downhill from here. Oh, fuck. It gets so much harder. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's one of those things. So, you know, so he's 30 and he's just about to train for his big, first big, big fight. Yeah. Which, again, is this underdog sort of situation. That, that just he's a lot that... older than he should be. He yeah. smokes, he drinks, you know, he just, he, he doesn't eat great. He's yeah. got no conditioning. He's training. He's running and doing one arm push ups in mix mighty mix boxing gym. Again, underdog, underdog. Yeah, and that doesn't have doesn't have all the stuff. And it's the same. He's they, got the right stuff. Yeah, and it's the same that they again, like you say, they go back and do this same idea over and over as the as the series goes on. So like when they can, particularly in four, when it's Drago and he's got a really super high tech gym. Yeah. And, but we, yeah, we'll talk about that. we'll talk about that when we get to it because this is this is a whole new thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but this is the classic. This is the yeah, and the, the thing that strikes me about the bit the famous montage is that it just cuts very suddenly to it. Yeah, like he literally he's there with Paulie, and Paulie goes, "Oh, help me get these gloves off," and then suddenly the music kicks in, and then we're into like the most famous montage of all time. Yeah, and it's just like, it's amazing. I just like I remember when I was watching, it's like, "Oh shit, we're here." I just put everything down. I was just watching. Oh my god! I want to go out running. <laughs> yeah, and it's it is it is well, it's iconic because there weren't. It wasn't the same level now that where these things have been parodied. Yeah, you know, like one of my favorite things to do is like in the like the Dark Knight Rises, is to play Hearts on Fire from Rocky Four. <laughs> whilst he's doing his recuperation training from the broken back because it just makes it so much more badass yeah it does you know and you can put any of the training songs over um, any other sort of montage and it, and it and it works yeah you know it's it's on my gym playlist each one of them is yeah and that, that's we should mention the uh, the composer is was it uh, Bill Bill Conti Bill Conti yeah Fucking amazing work! Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Amazing. Like because this one is like there's no theme song. Like later on we get you know Hearts on Fire, Eye of the Tiger, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. This is just pure score. Yeah, and it's absolutely spot on. Almost pure score. Well, what, what else is there? What do you mean? What, what, what am I missing? Gonna fly now? Oh, of course, right? Yeah. But even that, like, feels it's like, like an operatic. That feels thing. like, yeah, orchestral, it's like, not operatic. Same, yeah. It's not like Eye of the Tiger. It's no, not no, like no, a feature no, track, no. is it? I know there, there are. It just feels like they've got some vocals in on yes, the score because they're not. Again, say so that yeah, they're not exactly um, amazing no. voices that are on there. Feeling strong, <laughs> you know, they are a bit wailing. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it is. It's it's unreal. 
Um, I mean, there's only one le- thing left to talk about. I think, really. I mean, unless you, is there anything else you want to say before we, well, get, no, before we get to the fight? I mean, I think it, it really is. I, just like, I love like, just looking at your notes. You just got like giant like Apollo, and I love this film written in giant capital yeah. letters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes, that's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight S's in it. <laughs> Pay attention to that because that might happen again later on. Um, Do we have to count how much you like the Rocky film based on how many S's you put? No. <laughs> um, is that the most? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, one of the uh, like taking a step back. One of the things that I do. So one of the most endearing lines I think in the whole thing is the when she asks why do you fight? You just can't sing or dance. Yeah, and it's just and it is just this it's great line that's so rehearsed. Yeah, because he's obviously said it so many times over and over and over and over again. Yeah, that that's the first thing that comes out, mm. and then he says it again at another time. Yeah, but that breakdown when she when he says about you know what his dad said to him. Yeah. And then she has that moment again. Just think it's really powerful, but it's just something that popped up in my head. No, yeah, so. true. Um, but like, again, it sort of comes back to that thing of Rocky isn't a violent guy. No, he's and they, not. And they go out of their way to show that. And that I think that um, that line where it's, oh, I can't sing or dance is almost the epitome of it. It's not like he doesn't go out there because he wants to hurt people. Yeah. But if you push him, he will. And they showed that perfectly in that first fight where the guy headbutts him. Yeah. And he just absolutely annihilates him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, your notes are amazing. Sorry, I'm just like my notes are amazing. Fight time, brb. That's a note that I wrote to myself. Like brb, I'll be right back because um, I'm going to watch the fight scene now. And then there are no notes after that, other than he went 15 rounds. Adrian, yes, and I'm not going to count those s's because there's lots. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, and then because there's that quiet moment before when he walks in and he lays down with Adrian and says, "I can't do it." Yeah, so the, and that he's afraid that he genuinely whole, opens up about being afraid. But that whole sort of segment is really good, I think, because like it starts off with him going into the into the stadium, yeah, or the arena, sorry, and it's just this huge, and he's like he's this one guy in amongst it. When the fight promoter turns up at one point, mm-hmm. and they have a very brief sort of conversation, um, but it's just the sort of the small smallest man in the biggest arena is really well shot and well sort of. Stage to sort of get that across about how intimidating it is for him, but also um, it's, it's the line that the boxing promoter says to him because he says, uh, "I'm wearing white trunks with yeah, red stripes," which was a continuity error. Yeah, that was a continuity error where they made the poster and they they got it wrong, they fucked it up, they got it wrong. Yeah, and then instead of like not thinking about it, they <laughs> wrote a line. Stallone said, "What if Rocky noticed and pointed it out?" Yeah, like, that'd be perfect. And then the promoter says, "Doesn't really matter, does it?" That's not the point, is it? Yeah. And you're like, fuck. And that's the bit that gets him because mm. he's done all of this training. This promoter then turns around and says, it's not, you're not here to really win. You're not yeah. here to win. No. You're, not here, you're not a contender. No. And that's everything that he's ever been told. And yeah. that's him fighting against his entire past. Is it all I ever wanted? Like that's, and then he comes back and says that to Adrian and he's you know, sat there saying, I can't do it. So like, I don't want to beat him. Like, well, it's like I know I can't beat him. Like, yeah. I don't even want that. All I want is to prove that I'm not a bum. Yeah, and that I can. I've got something, and I I can go the distance. That I'm worth something. 
and that he wants to prove that to himself. He wants mm-hmm. that not more so than anywhere else because he's always been just told. And there's this whole thing about and the, the other sort of going. There's a couple of boxing terminology things that get thrown around in this movie a lot. One of them is going the distance. Yeah, I got. I just want to go the distance, and going the distance means lasting the full at that point fifteen rounds. Not yeah. now, it's twelve, isn't it? I think. Yeah, think but so. back then it was like the full, the, the longest a match can go on for is fifteen rounds. Well, yeah, it's just sporting length. So, um, so that's what he means going this. And the other thing is like, and this is something that comes up over and over again. It came, I was watching Daredevil recently, and it came up again. If you're a, if you're not a good boxer, you're you're, you're a bum. Yeah, you're a bum. You hear me? You're a bum, and he gets yeah. he gets called a bum at the beginning. Yeah, and, it's, and it's and why the thing is, is that's a weird it's, little. It's just a really. It's just an insult. Yeah, I guess so. to but it seems, fighters. But it seems very specific to boxers. Like I don't really, do you know what I mean? You don't really hear it banded around that much, apart from it's very much. Yeah, it's, it's, it, very, it, it is seems like a boxing thing. It is, it's somewhere. It's 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 not just. It, I mean, it was sort of an Americanism from back in the day, so to speak. Yeah, from, a bum is like a tramp. Yeah, yeah, but the same, and it's still used now. But one other thing, it's used in like boxing as like a really is like a derogatory term. Yeah, and it's to really put people down. If you're a bum, you're just the bottom. You know, you're on your ass. Yeah, you're not good. You know, and and that's pretty much what it means. It's it's just, and it really it's just a horrible insult to a fighter. Yeah, you know. But what one of the things that I also <laughs> is. Um, I don't really want to use the word, but when Mick calls him a dago, oh yeah, which I, is a horrible racial slur for a, for an Ita- to an Italian, is it? Yeah, right. Okay. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know the significance yeah. of it. Okay, I didn't. Understand. I didn't know that. I thought yeah, it, I, it, I, it seemed like it's just an old an old timey boxy thing. I don't no, know. <laughs> no, it's it's just a it's not a nice. That, word. Okay, that explains why he reacts the way he does because that's the, like one of the second was before the. Sort of reconciliation, isn't it? That's when he goes in yeah, and yeah. finds out that Apollo's lot are looking for him. Yeah, and they have a big argument because he just he literally just repeats back what Mick says, and Mick's just like, "That's what I just said, you." Um, yeah, and that's another one of those little nice little things about when Rocky. Yeah, is, Mick was looking for you, and then he calls him a dumb D word. Yeah, and I've just written underneath that. Wow. Shit. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. I think that must be the one of the only instances that it's where it's in a movie, though. I suppose that term. It's, it's in quite a few, but it's it's just it's just a word that tends to it's it's. Mm. I'd, I'd say it's probably as bad as the N word. Well, actually, I don't think so because no. it doesn't have the same doesn't have the same strength as using the N word, but it is still a horrible racial epithet to use. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's just. And it was quite surprising because, like, I mean, going back in this and, like, finding out a little bit more, because all, almost all the information I've got in this film, up until, like, a, maybe an hour's worth of reading today, mm. was all stuff that I've just picked up over years and years of watching this film yeah. and watching documentaries about it. But one of the things that I learned today was that the original script was so, so different. Oh, yeah. Mick was like a bitter old racist, wasn't he? Yeah, originally. exactly. And that's part of That was the last step that's left it. it. Yeah, yeah. There were, and then the, the whole Mick character, there were a few actors who like who were in the frame for it. No, they, not for Mick. Mick was they only wanted Burgess Meredith. I thought there was someone who was it who were because I read something where they were insulted that they that they had to read for it. Oh, 
actually, yeah, you might have been right. I think there was someone. I think there were. Yeah, I think it was Paulie that was the one that they had. No, they didn't want anyone else for. They were just like, "That's our guy." Yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, Burgess Meredith, aka the Penguin. Yeah. 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 So, um, but also whilst we're talking on sort of actors doing acting things, Talia Shear. Yeah. Is the sister of. Francis Ford Coppola. And the aunt of oh. Sophia Coppola. Right. And the aunt of Don't. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and the mother of Jason Schwartzman. Was she really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and her second marriage. <laughs> All right, I didn't know that. Yeah. But I think the, the good sort of fact about her, I think it's the third time she's been in a movie that went on to win Best Picture yeah she was in Godfather she was in Godfather Part 2 and she was in Rocky and yeah. they all won Best Picture it's like yeah. fair, that's a pretty good like that's, she had a good decade yeah <laughs> like, and yeah it might have been a little bit of nepotism that got her into the Godfather film how dare you but you know she had she to re- hey this. she had to read like everyone else yeah you know, she got <laughs> into this on her own accord so yeah um, but also yeah and uh, Carl Weathers Mate. In, insulting Sly when he was reading the script. Really? Yeah, he insulted his acting. Really? His acting was really bad. And he lied when he put in his resume. He said that he had loads of boxing experience. Fucking and Carl Weathers. I love that we've come full circle again now and talking about Carl Weathers yeah. and starting a franchise. But one of the things <laughs> I would say is, is, you know, when we started this podcast in episode one, or episode 0.1, should I say, is Predator, Carl Weathers features in that heavily this is like a nine year gap oh, yeah. between this film and that film oh yeah this was well 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 before Predator yeah time yeah and if you think about it nine like, years if you think about it if he's in better shape in Predator than he is in this yeah massively so yeah he's huge in Predator he's ludicrous <laughs> in this he just looks like a fairly well toned bloke yeah but he's like he's in great shape yeah you know and that was one of the things about Carl Weathers is that he was always in great shape and which is why he got the roles that he did yeah you know, with that Action Jackson being another one. Um, but yeah, and it's, like I said, like a nine-year gap. That guy just didn't age for, like, that that period of time. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, I'm just trying to think what else. I mean... I mean, Stallone, it, this was, like, his break, obviously, wasn't it? before everything else. Yeah, so he did, like, a couple of little things beforehand, but nothing adult significant. Mo- adult movies. He, was he did something... I can't remember what it's called now. Something at... Cat house or something like that, and but again, it was it wasn't a great thing. It was a bit of a sort of dirty thing that he wasn't comfortable being yeah. in as well. And and it's that's yeah, he's again one of those Hollywood Cinderella stories. A bit like um, what ended up eventually years later would happen with Affleck and um, Matt Damon. Couldn't yeah. get a job, wrote a script for themselves, and then became massive movie stars. Yeah, uh, he almost did the exact same thing, but he set yeah. the template back in the seventies. Exactly, and then, and that's the thing. Like one of the one of the things that because people sort of deride Sylvester Stallone quite a lot for some of the choices of the films that he's been in, as sort of like these brainless action films like The Expendables and stuff like yeah. that. And yet yeah, they're not great, and he's been in other films that aren't great. But you've got to remember, this is the guy that wrote and starred in Rocky. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, he went on to do other films that are somewhat diminishing returns in places. Yeah. And they don't ever quite reach the same heights as this. But they've all been pretty great films. Yeah. You know? And he, that's the thing. If, you, if the first, your first stab at it 
is Rocky. That's the first one you come up with. Goes on to win Best Picture. Makes $250 million. $225 million at the bottom. And that's the first, your first go at it. That's fucking mental. Exactly. Think about it. That's crazy. Um, And and yeah, there are like, you know, there are little bits of sort of like controversy in there about was it based on this fight? Yeah. And was it this? And was it that? And, you know, because I think it was, was it Joe Frazier? I think it was, Joe uh, Fraser has got a whole thing, isn't he? Joe Fraser was the guy that originally ran the Philly Steps. Yeah, um, and sort of never received sort of credit for it. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't like this massively publicised thing. I mean, even even if they say it's derivative in terms of him basing a lot of it around that fight, the, like I said, the first hour and a half of the movie, or the, well, the first hour of the movie has got nothing to do with the fight. No. Nothing to do with the fight. It's all. It's the character drama yeah. around these, you know, a handful of characters, and he wrote that himself. That's got nothing to do with anything. Exactly. So you can't say, oh, he ripped that out. You can't. He ripped the character of Rocky or the character of mm-hmm. Adrian or the, anything to do with that whole dynamic off yeah. of anybody. He just came up with it himself. So you can't really. I don't think it's like I said. I don't think it's fair to criticize him for absolutely not the You know, if there are similarities in the in the story of the boxing side of things. Um, and yeah, he fucking he wrote it. It's like he can't he can't argue exactly. With it. He wrote it. In, he wrote well, it. He wrote it's... in a matter of hours, not even days. Yeah. You know, he said it. So it took him something like eighty hours to write it. Yeah. Um, um, and that was the first draft, which is when you know Mick was a racist and Paulie was worse, and you know, and well, we'll get on to the alternate take in a bit, but um, but yeah, and then so yeah, I would think, and then. Sorry, we've sort of massively gone off on a tangent there, readers, but um, getting back to the film now, when we're, we're just before the fight, one of the most amazing things about this film is, is, is a, there's a lot of dialogue in this film. Yeah. And as much of it might kind of be a little bit nonsense here or there, I almost think that one of the most powerful parts in it is the scene where they're in the changing rooms, getting ready. Yeah. Because there's no dialogue. Mm. it's just two guys preparing for it and the dialogue it, is in the background as an announcer it's, it's but they don't say anything they don't do anything yeah. they're just being slapped around and rubbed yeah. down and prepped and you know Vix is being pushed up their nose and yeah but then I think that it's the reason it's as powerful as it is because it comes directly after that scene where Rocky was talking to Adrian yeah saying that he couldn't do it exactly one minute so literally it cuts from one second he's saying he can't do it mm-hmm and then the next day, the next shot is him getting ready to go out and do it. Yeah. So like, and he's making jokes, and and, and then he gets yeah. to the end of it, and it's this super serious part, and he's gone from, you know, showing his full weakness to Adrian and lying there, and she sort of cuddles him from behind and is sort of comforting him, talking yeah. to him, and then he gets into the changing room, and that transition yeah. in that time yeah. from where he's I love as well. bearing his soul. They almost cut that as well. They almost cut the whole yeah. bit the night before, and he like and Stallone insisted, no, we have to have this scene with him saying how scared he is of Adrian, yeah. and because they were so pushed for time and running for over budget, he only got one take. Yeah, he did the whole thing in one take. Fucking fair play to him, like, you know, like, yeah. like we love this guy. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I, and what one thing that does make me sad is that you know people do have sort of. Sort of talk a little bit derisively about still about Stallone. They're like, oh, you know, he's this Arnie action hero, Rambo. Yeah, you know, and you just think 
Yeah, he was Demolition Man, but... He's the thinking man's Arnie, isn't he? He's the, he's the smart... Like, Arnie never wrote a script. No. Johnny. Not like... really. I mean, but that's the thing, like, they're two very different guys, but at the same time, like, sort of to compare them is, is apples and oranges. Yeah. But... Yeah, I just think at any time anybody sort of starts to get a little bit derisive about Stallone, you're like, just go and read about Rocky. Yeah. Don't even watch it, just read about it. Yeah. And then the fight... I mean, the fight, I mean, the, the, yeah, like I said... We, the we fight have... itself is difficult to talk about because <laughs> well, they, principally... They skip it's, a lot of it. They actually they, skip, they skip a lot of it. There's a massive jump. Before we get into the, before the fight itself, I think the, the big thing, again, you get this whole, as they're coming into the arena... I need to turn it off. Do I need to turn it off? Because you can get emotional. Man, like this fucking yeah. bit. Okay. <laughs> so fucking good, man. Sorry, in the back again. We we've had the we have the movie playing in the background um, on silent, and that was the scene between Mick and Rocky. And when Mick comes to see him in, in, at his place, and Tom was getting very emotional just looking at it. So we had to pause it, <laughs> and we'll, um, we'll carry on. Um, it's fucking important, man. It's so good. It is. No, so basically, yeah, we're, it's the bit where they're both entering into the arena. Yeah. Um, and I love that bit, because Rocky literally just walks out. He's wearing this this giant um, Which robe. Was paid for by, what is it? Um, by Paulie, by the, the, the meat uh, packing. Shamrock's, Shamrock's meat packing. Yeah, it's got a big sticker on the back of it. Yeah, and he's like, what you got that one for? And he's like, he's like what did you get for that? And he's like... Oh, Paulie gets $3,000. And he's like, what about you? I get to keep the robe. Shrewd. <laughs> I love me. Brilliant. And then Paulie turns up and goes, hey, Rock, how you doing? And he's like, how, how's the robe? Oh, it's a little baggy. And again, it was just bad yeah. bad planning on their part. It was like, oh, we made it too big. Oh, never mind. Just have him make a line about it. Perfect. And then Paulie goes, oh, this is my date. She cost me $200. He's like, two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Because the first thing he talks about is suit, and then yeah. he talks about the robe, then he says about his girlfriend, and it's just it is fucking brilliant. There's so many like little lines like that. Like, I love the, the guy who um, cleans up the gym when Rocky turns up earlier on, and he just goes corner man. Yeah, but he's just like, oh, you know, oh no, yeah, I won. You won? Yeah, what are you deaf? No, I'm short. <laughs> <laughs> As he's sweeping away. Brilliant line. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. Um, but anyway, like the team no. uniforms, yeah. cardigans with Rocky knitted into the back. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, yeah, it's all just like yeah, they're they're like the local boys, aren't they? Just like having having a go yeah, at the it. old boys at mix. Yeah, and then meanwhile, then fucking Apollo turns up, and it's that what they're playing Star Spangled Banner, isn't it, or I think so. something like that? And he's literally he's on a float. He's dressed as George Washington. He's throwing out silver dollars to the crowd, and it's just and he's been huge. he's been brought out on oh, what's the boat that brought. It's the, the Mayflower. First, yeah, the Mayflower brought the first American. Because it's the idea is the whole point of this match is that it's the bicentennial, it's the two hundred yeah. years of America. Um and yeah, and he gets into the ring and then he puts on the full Uncle Sam outfit with a full But with he takes hat off the George Washington and puts and on, he's got the Uncle Sam yeah. costume underneath and he's like, I want you I want I you I want you and then like, I want you I love the commentators explaining what that is. Yeah. That's For international art. audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they keep cutting as well. And they've got like in this um, in the within this whole fight sequence, they keep using like stock footage of crowds. Yes, they <laughs> because they couldn't they afford enough people. They didn't have enough extras. <laughs> that that arena, which wasn't an arena or a stadium, no. Nope. 
So they used stock footage of Madison Square Garden, <laughs> which is why they felt the fight is so dark yeah. around the outside. Because it's like five people. But there. again, it's one of those things that, you know, it helps them win an Oscar. Yeah. Because it puts that, it puts the focus just on those guys. Yeah. And a little bit around the outside of the ring. Yeah. Little do they realise that it's just because they didn't have enough money. Yeah. So, but again, like, and that is the whole. It's the Cinderella story of the movie. It's the little movie you could. It's just it was yeah. made on a shoestring budget, made a shitload of money, and won the Oscars and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. And it's it's the it's the underdog, isn't it? It didn't have like I don't know what were the movies like it was up against at the Oscars that year. Do we know? I have no idea. That's an intro- that'll be interesting to see what it beat. Taxi Driver. Jesus, it beat Taxi Driver. Christ, a network. Yep. Wow. All the President's Men? Yep. Most awards, all the President's Men Network got four. Wow. Most nominations, Network and Rocky both got ten. Carrie, Rocky, Network. Oh, there you go. Peter Finch got Best Actor. Yeah. But then both Burgess Meredith and Burt Young were both nominated for Rocky. Yeah. And Stallone, obviously. Yeah. So all the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network and Taxi Driver for Best Picture. Best Director was Rocky, All the President's Men, Face to Face, Network, and Seven Beauties. Uh, yet Talia Shear was nominated for Best Actress. All right. Um, Marathon Man as well. Blimey. So, yeah. It, well, okay. So, interestingly, um, Marathon Man was, I think, the f- second film before this being the third. Mm where the Steadicam was used. Yeah, yeah. So the guy that invented the Steadicam used the Steadicam in this mm. as well. And as a proof of concept, coincidentally, yeah. proof of concept, he used it running up steps and filming his girlfriend. Running up. It wasn't it the same steps? I don't think it was the same steps. But See, it was I, I, steps. I read it was the Philadelphia, like, and then he found himself two months later or whatever filming um, versus yeah. Sloan running up well, the same that's, steps that's why they chose it yeah. because it, yeah it was the Philadelphia um, steps I think it was Frazier that was, might be different ones but yeah so it was this proof of concept that was used in it and it was um, that got it into the film hmm. and it's amazing because you don't realise the technolo- technological advances now we've got sort of steady cams that can be operated in any way shape or form yeah. You know, they've got steady cams on fly-by-wire that are used at football matches. We've got drone cameras that are used in the same way. You can buy a gimbal for your mm. iPhone so you can do vlogging and stuff. Yeah. But back then, this was groundbreaking technology. Oh, yeah, big time. And it wasn't just used for these running scenes. It was also used in the ring yeah. in this final fight. Yeah. It was also used in, in, the, uh, in the meat locker yeah. as well. But um, incidentally... This is something that I wrote an essay on at college. Really? Yeah. So, what, what the use of the, the about, about the use of steadicams and development across the years? Oh wow! Okay, cool. And um, yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was, I was aiming high at that <laughs> point because I was, I was dead set on becoming a cameraman. Didn't work. But yeah. Anyway. Um, hey, you're, you're the best cameraman on this order, Rick. Well, of course I am. <laughs> best, best goddamn singer. <laughs> I'm not the greatest actor in this school, though, am no, I? No, I'm the greatest bloody actor in this school. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm the greatest bloody actor in this school! <laughs> but yeah, it's this thing that I wrote about and uh, sort of about the development of it, but one of the main things that stood out, I've forgotten so much of it since, um, 
but like it was used it had like cool runnings as well was yeah. like quite an important one that it was used in it's used in so many different ways since but it's amazing that this is one of the first yeah. ones it was used in Marathon Man but to lesser of an extent yeah you know the the, the obviously the chase scene yeah. the running scenes that he has when he's doing his laps yeah um but yeah it's amazing and then it's just this tiny little film yeah. that nobody thought would do much with that everybody really liked the script and the screenplay for yeah brought so many of these things out of the woodwork yeah and like I say a lot of it is down to the like the, the it's it's like a perfect storm isn't it mm. is that all the right elements came together at the right time yeah you had the right you know you had Stallone you had the steady cam, you had everything yeah you, you know and the the score the right people got employed at the right in the right and the technology exactly. was in the right place and we end up with Rocky yeah it's one of those little cinematic gems and then we've ended up with this huge franchise um, but yeah like I mean we're, we're dancing around it but the fight we need but to yeah. talk about the fight because yeah we, we basically see the first two rounds of the fight don't we yeah so you see the first two rounds and then there's a montage of seven of three Seven, fourteen. It just keeps going, doesn't it? I think, and then and we we see the fourteenth, and then we see the fifteenth. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's just fucking. So the, the, it starts off, and like we've had this whole thing where um, Apollo's been showboating and taking the piss, and sort of going out to the crowd saying Creed in three, Creed in three, telling everybody that he's going to take him three rounds, piece of cake. Don't he's worry about put it. Him down in he's going to put him down in the third, Creed in the third. And then he starts taunting it, and it starts off, and he's literally just jabbing Rocky in the face really quick. Yeah. And Robbie, Rocky can't do anything about it. And you're sat there just uh, as the viewer, even me, like watching it. I know what's going to happen. And I'm still sat there going, oh, "Rock, come on, like come on, Rock, <laughs> I need you to come on, man." Because he's he's trying, he's worked so fucking hard, and now this guy's just poking him in the face, and he's got this big grin on his face, and he gets a little bit too close, and then Rocky just fucking floors him, just flattens him, flattens him with a massive uppercut. And it's just like it's pandemonium. It was like the the champion's never been knocked to the floor before. Yeah, it's never happened in his entire career. He's like, what was he forty six fights or something? I think so. Yeah, something like that. And, and but he's never been taken at no point back. has anyone ever knocked him to his to, on his ass. Yeah. And Rocky did it in the first round. It's like, oh shit! And that's when Apollo starts taking it seriously. Yeah. And he comes in the second round, tries to finish him off, but he can't do it. No. And a lot of it is. Um, it does feel like in this one in particular, a lot of it is down to Rocky just getting taking a beating. Well, that's 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 sort of, and as it goes on, it's you know it's part of this mythology that I mentioned earlier, of you know the boxing becomes a little bit more unrealistic as it goes on because it is, I think it's like pro, three and four primarily mm. are pretty bad for. Just Rocky just repeatedly being punched in the head over and over and over, it ain't and, over about and over how, and over again. It ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. So fucking good. That's how winning's done. So fucking good. Seriously, like, <laughs> fuck, man. These franchises are unreal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and it's just... But these fights, they, you know, they're just... This is the most realistic portrayal of the boxing in there yeah. because they're going for body shots. Yeah, I you think know, he's saying you shouldn't fight fight southpaw. Yeah, you, you know, there's all these different things in there where he explains the concept of a southpaw, and it's more about you know 
Throws actual boxing yeah. and stuff like that and like you know Mick talks about how Rocky Marciano had the, also the same problem with his feet not being very steady on his feet yeah so he puts a bit of string between his feet doesn't he so you can't break that keep your yeah. feet close together and like yeah that's cool and, yeah. but, and the other thing that he tells him which is very important and very important piece of advice women weaken legs um, and that's something that Rocky has to sort of remember and maintain there's no fooling around during training that's very important yeah, and it pays off because he goes the distance. Well, yeah, but the whole and then that's the thing. It's like it's that mixing. You know, Rocky sort of takes up because like Mick is very much like women weakened legs, women weakened legs, and he tells him to stay away from Adrian, and he doesn't. And then it's you know whilst Mick is there for the training side of things, like Adrian's there for like his heart and his soul. Yeah. You know, so it's this combination of everyone, and yeah. like you know, Paulie's the the reminder of like yeah. who he was and where he was on the street, and That's he was a bum, and he wasn't any really. And then it's you know these different part, people that are all there for different parts of him, but at the end of the day, he's the person that's got to dig deep, learn, taking yeah. all these lessons that he's learned from everybody else to yeah. go the distance. And that's the and then that is so telling. Like when the final bell rings, all he cares about is seeing Adrian. Yep. And that's that's the point of the movie. It's about seeing her, and look, I proved that I'm worth something. And like, it's almost like he feels like he's proved that he's worth, like he deserves her and deserves to be happy with her. Yeah. Up till then, he's not sure that he's like you deserve better than me. I'm shit. I'm a bum. And now he's proved that he's not a bum. Yeah. Now he's proved that he, he d- can do it, but he's proved it to himself. To himself. He's proved yeah. it to Mick. Yeah. He's proved it to Adrian. And he's proved and it to us. Tom. He's, he's proved it, it to us. We always knew he could do it. But like he calls out for Adrian mm. because he still thinks that she's in the locker room. Yeah, because there is that part where she stood at the entrance. Because mm. um, he says repeatedly before he leaves her, "Don't leave town." Yeah, because he's worried that she will leave town. Yeah. Like if he if he gets defeated and humiliates himself, he feels like, "Well, she's never going to want to be seen with me ever again." Yeah, because I'm worth nothing. I'm just I'm just the guy who got beaten by Apollo Creed. That's all I am. Yeah, and so she'll leave. That's his insecurity. That's his. Yeah, and these are all these insecurities, and these are the things that he has to fight, as well as you know, these are the, the internal battles that he has, that he needs to get past to be able to win this physical fight. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, he doesn't win. That's an but interesting. It comes point. down to a split decision. That's so. that's an interesting point because I feel like that was something that was argued about. Do you think that there was one version of the script where he just won? No? The, so the original script that Sylvester Stallone wrote had Rocky throw the fight. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Because, so this is when, when we spoke right at the earlier part of this episode um, about, you know, this spawning a franchise mm. and leading on to sequels. It was never going to be that. No, no, no. no because way. he was going to throw the fight mm. because he had learned this lesson of how this seedy and deep and dirty world of boxing really is, is that they're taking this guy from the street who really believes that he can be a contender, gets all these people to back him, and they just don't care because they just want a spectacle, they just want a show. Yeah. And as it's reinforced with when Apollo is told it by his trainer, uh, when the boxing promoter says it to Rocky directly yeah. when he goes out into the arena... But yeah, he was going to throw it in. The, the whole film was a lot darker. Yeah, that would have been very... Like, it's held up as one of the most inspiring, like, 
uplifting films. But that mm. if it had done if they'd done that original version of it, it would have been almost the opposite. It would have been a very bleak, dark, depressing movie. Yeah. Um, and it definitely wouldn't have spawned the sequels that it has or anything no. like that. So it's, and there are other parts, like other films in this franchise that were going to end very, very differently to the way they actually do. Yeah. Um, which I'll explain more when we get to them. But, um, yeah, especially this one. But it was like, yeah, the original script was that. And like we said before, Mickey was going to be this real racist guy. Yeah. Um, and Rocky was just going to go back to just doing what he did on the streets because boxing, you know, was just as dirty as what he was doing anyway. Yeah. Um, and sort of was going to turn his turn himself away from it. But the, the way that they did it um, is so much better. There is there is an, another cut of the ending. Is there? Where he just walks out the ring. Oh, right, yeah. Gets Adrian and then just walks away before it's announced. Okay. Because there's the... There's a very iconic poster, isn't there, of the two of them holding hands. Yeah. Which that's that's that that's shot. That, yeah. So that's that shot. Is, that was what the final shot of the film was going to be, mm. rather than the hero shot that we got. Yeah, the hero... I love the freeze frame. There's, there's two freeze frames in this movie, one of which is this one right at the very end, but there was one earlier as well when he climb, when he runs up the steps mm. the second time. And he's, it's he's, not a very flattering facial expression. It's not. Um, it's not, <laughs> not in the slightest, but... Um, yeah, he's, he's doing the lifting his hands over his head, jumping up and down. The classic Rocky thing that everyone, everyone at some point in their life mm-hmm. has run up a flight of stairs and done. Well, that. there's the montage at the end of is it Creed or is it um, Balboa? Well, I, I know there's a shot. I think it's the end of Balboa. Over the credits, there's a montage of everyone of doing of it. People, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I remember. But no, I mean, just literally, not even the the Philadelphia steps, just like the steps in the, your block of flats. Everyone's done it. Everyone's done it at least once. Yeah. Um, but there's the... there's So um, I do sometimes do running events and one of the uh, ones that I've looked at for aspirations in the future is the Rocky Philadelphia run. Oh, sick. So there are two runs. There's a... Uh, I think it's a 10K yeah. and a half marathon. Right. What, in and Philadelphia? If you do, yeah, in Philadelphia. And they both follow pretty much the same route that Rocky runs so Sick. it's also known as the Rocky run amazing and then the medal that you get for doing both the runs in those days so I think you have to run the 10k and then if you finish that within a certain amount of time you're allowed to continue to do the half marathon Jesus but you've got to do it within a certain time period and uh, if you finish both of them then you get this special Italian stallion medal as well Sick. Um, yeah, and it's 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 for a great cause as well. So it does for, for charity work that's out in Philadelphia as well. But it is one of those sort of like aspirational things. Yeah, it's sort of become so icon- iconic. Um, I don't think we should talk about the statue because that comes up more. Yeah, the statue is a whole other thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll we'll talk about that in the next ones because the history of that statue is actually related to what happens in the films as well. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, and I think, well, I mean, that's kind of sort of where we've come to yeah. a bit of a stop now, I think, is a natural ending point. Yeah, I mean, the the, the beautiful freeze frame and the, and the music swells, everyone's crowding into the yeah, into the ring, even though there's only five people there, they all crowd into one corner to make it look like there's loads of people. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love that so, just the press just storm into the ring. Yeah. Just the thing that doesn't happen, the same, well, it does kind of happen now, actually, like yeah. big prize fights, it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then tell them what's next, Dom. 
Well, what's next is Rocky 2. Yes. Which, as far as I'm aware, start, doesn't it pick up immediately after, pretty much? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was literally just thinking, we don't, we don't see any of the aftermath of the fight from no. here, do we? That saved for the sequel, which didn't come out for another three years. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about it next week. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Can't wait. So we're going to talk more about Rocky. This, Yeah, we've, we've gushed a lot this episode about how great this movie is. But it is genuinely one of the all-time greats. And I implore Absolutely. anyone to go out and watch it. Um, it's stood the test of time. It's a great just film, not even a sports mm-hmm. film. Um, I mean, the fact that we've probably spoken beat for beat for, what, an hour and a half about this film. Yeah. We've said about everything that's going on in it. I guarantee if you watch this film, you will see something new. Oh, yeah. You will, and you'll have a different reaction to it because it's it's not just a film where something happens on screen. It's It's an inspirational film that brings out motivations in people. It brings yeah. out pride in people. It brings out... You know, motivation in people to do different things and to try harder and fly higher and hit harder. <laughs> you know, and it's this is part of the continuing legacy of the Rocky franchise is that it's not just a film; yeah. it's the inspiration that it pushes out with it. He's gonna make it. I love, I love you, Rocky. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. It's great. Uh, we're going to come back for some more next week. Uh, we're going to talk about Rocky 2, whereby there actually is a rematch. Um, although Apollo said there ain't going to be no rematch, Rocky said he didn't want one, but we all know there was one, and it was Rocky 2. Um, and we'll see what happens there. So we'll see you next week. We'll talk about Rocky 2. Um, you can tweet at us at the Omcast Pod. You can email us at the Omcast Pod at gmail.com uh, with any of your thoughts about Rocky franchise or this film in particular. Um, we're you know, join the conversation and we'll see yeah, you then. Drop us a message and see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>